0: Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett.
1: So, we don't worship God to get something from Him. Well, we shouldn't. We should worship God because He's great, He's awesome, He's beautiful.
0: Have you ever received praise or a compliment and been left wondering if perhaps the praise was planted so as to pave the way for a favour later on? That hurts, doesn't it? When we truly worship God, we offer worship freely. It comes from our heart. It's biblically informed and isn't just so God will respond by doing something for us. Can worship be wrong? Yes, it can. Let's find out when great worship is wrong.
1: Book of Jeremiah, chapter 32. This is part 89 of our Jeremiah series. You remember that we started looking at chapter 32 where... Jeremiah has been prophesying for some time, probably 20, 25 years or so. And he had prophesied that the Babylonians would conquer Jerusalem. And you recall that the Babylonians did indeed come, just as Jeremiah had prophesied. But the king of Jerusalem, the king of Judah, had, had asked for help from The Egyptians. And when the Babylonians heard that the Egyptians were coming, the Babylonians withdrew. They didn't have enough forces to withstand a potential attack from Egypt. And so, it was at that point that the king of Judah, King Zedekiah, said to Jeremiah, you are a false prophet, because they've gone. And so he was imprisoned. Eighteen months later, with it, it, eighteen months later, we pick it up in Jeremiah chapter thirty-two, verse one. But it was only a few months after he was in prison that the Babylonians came back exactly how Jeremiah had prophesied. Once again, surrounded Jerusalem, and the, and once again, exactly as Jeremiah prophesied, a, a, a siege commenced. A siege is where you lock the gates, you barricade yourself, you've, you've stored up food and water and supplies and the enemy's just going to wait for your supplies to run out. And that's exactly what Jeremiah prophesied would happen and it happened. And here he is in prison and the opening section of chapter 32 is King Zedekiah coming to Jeremiah and saying to him, why did you prophesy this? And I would have responded Because it was true. It's happening. Remember, you imprisoned me for being a false prophet for the very thing that I prophesied, which is now happening. And then King Zedekiah says, but why did you say this about me? And even though Jeremiah had prophesied this 18 months earlier, the king of Judah repeats the prophecy back to Jeremiah Exactly. Exactly. And so we have this really interesting situation where, I, as I said to you last time we met, I'm not sure, if, because that's the question of the king. And I'm not sure if verse 6 is Jeremiah's answer to the king or not. I'm just not sure. It's, it's curious if it is, because the response is that Jeremiah says, the Lord spoke to me. So the king's asked, him a question and Jeremiah says the Lord God spoke to me and he said my cousin Hananel will come here and he will ask me to buy a piece of land and the Lord has told me I must buy that land and then it says Hananel his cousin did come. And it's a really, really wonderful verse. I, I just take so much encouragement from it where it says at the end of verse 8, and then I knew it was the word of the Lord. I love that because here's Jeremiah, not quite sure whether he's hearing from God. And then he says, and then I knew it was God. So Jeremiah takes 17 pieces of silver, which is, as someone pointed out to me last week, is the equivalent of about seven months' wages, which I don't know how many people have seventeen months' wages stored in the cookie jar. Anyone? I don't. I couldn't even get one week's wages, let alone 17, uh, seven months of wages. And here's Jeremiah. So I'm going to, I'm going to take a stab. I'm going to guess that this is everything Jeremiah's got. Just going to take a guess. He God has asked him to use every piece of money that he has to obey this word, which is to buy this field. So he does. And we saw that sometimes obeying God comes at a price, it comes at a cost, and it did for Jeremiah. Because Hananel, he wanted to sell this land because his cousin Jeremiah had said, You're all going to be taken out of this land. Anything you own, you'll lose. Any property you own, you'll lose it. It'll be taken from you by the Babylonians. You won't have it. It'll go in a matter of weeks. It'll all be gone. And Jeremiah buys it, knowing that he's the one that's been prophesying this. Right, so there's the background. Got the picture? Um, And we sort of began to address this question. Why? 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 God, why have you asked me to do this? Why? And Jeremiah hasn't quite got an answer yet, except that God says, you buy this field as a prophecy. You buying this field is like you prophesy, because, Jeremiah, I want my people to know that I will bring them back and once again houses and lands will be bought and sold. Buy this field, Jeremiah. Put your money where your mouth is, Jeremiah. If you believe me, pay the price to serve me. And Jeremiah does. Now, what we're, we're going to start at verse 16. And what we're going to see is, I think, one of the most outstanding passages of worship. And this is one of the the things that I think is a hallmark of mature Christians. They worship. In fact, I think that the highest title you can have is worshipper. It's the highest title you could have. Because you're created to worship. You're actually designed to worship. You're created to worship. Everything about you is designed by God to worship him and adore him. You're created to be a worshipper. So when you worship, you are doing nothing extraordinary. You are doing what's normal so what you're about to read here is one of the most extraordinary passages of worship because jeremiah is is now 45 55 he's, he he's been walking with god now for a long time and and he's not complaining anymore and if he had a reason to complain now would be it Because he could say, hang on a minute God, (laughs) wait a minute, I haven't got a cent left, I don't have any money left now. You asked me to put it all on the line, I've done that. And by the way God, you're the one who told me to prophesy that lands would be confiscated, houses would be confiscated, all property would be gone and we'd have nothing. God, I've got nothing, I've I've got a... a field of land that you said I'll never be able to use. Now, that, that's, how we, that's, how, you know, that's how I would, if, it was and, if this was called the book of Andrew, that's probably about where we'd be up to right now in this section. I'd be complaining. He's not complaining. He's worshipping. And I want to make this point loud and clear. We see people who grow in God come to dark and hard times. And we see every mature follower of Christ, every committed believer in God, when they come to hard and difficult times, they don't run from God, they worship God. When they don't understand why cancer, why divorce, why an accident, why tragedy, they still have those why's. But they worship. So having set it up, and as we look at this passage, I hope this title shocks you. When great worship is wrong. When great worship is wrong. This is the point. We're about to see Jeremiah worship God. How you worship is really, really important. It's really important. How you worship really, really matters. and Because what I want you to notice is, I've read this hundreds of times and I've highlighted it, underlined it because I think it's a beautiful passage. Beautiful. There's so many things in here about how we should worship God. It's beautiful. I want you to notice these. It tells us a lot about who God is. And here's, here's a part of the point. Jeremiah is worshipping God because he knows God. And he's telling us something about this God that he loves. And it's deep. But I want you to know this. You may have just started out on your journey with Christ. You may just be a new believer. You don't need to be a theologian, an expert in the Bible to worship. If all you know is that Jesus loves you and Jesus died for you, start there. Start there. If that's all you know, start there. Worship Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you. Start there. Maybe you realise God is your creator. In fact, in nearly every passage of scripture, people who really come to know God acknowledge him as creator. I want you to notice that as you read through your Bible. Start there. You don't need to be a theologian to worship God but here's something that I've noticed if you do know something about God it helps you to worship better so the more you know it's not that's not the goal the more you know is designed to help you worship God better so the more you know should cause you to worship him better not argue about him better not not fold your arms and wait for the singing to stop so we can get into the real stuff of a church service. This should cause you to worship. Verse 17. Our Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Look at this. Nothing is too hard for you. Do you think he knows God? Absolutely knows God. That's a great fridge magnet right there, by the way. Nothing is too hard for you, God. Nothing. What a great place to start. You created everything. Nothing is too hard for you. I worship you, God. Isn't that great? Verse 18. You show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of fathers to their children after them. Oh, great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts. Wow. Wow. Jeremiah is admiring God. He loves God. He knows God. This is not a theory to him. This is not just an idea to him. This is not just something he was told. He knows God. Next verse. Great in counsel and mighty indeed, whose eyes are open to all the ways of the children of man, rewarding each one according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. That is beautiful. It is true and it's beautiful. God is a just God. He sees what we do. He rewards those who serve him. This is wonderful. Next verse, verse 20. You have shown signs and wonders in the land of Egypt and to this day in Israel and among all mankind and have made a name for yourself as at this day. Note, note this next section is really Jeremiah. He understands the story, history. Jeremiah understands that, that life and the world and the story of the earth is not just where's it going? It's actually following a story that God is writing. And he tells this story. You brought your people Israel Out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand, with an outstretched arm, and with great terror. And you gave them this land, which you swore to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they entered and took possession of it, but they did not obey your voice or walk in your law. They did nothing Of all you commanded them to do. Therefore, you have made all this disaster come upon them. What has Jeremiah just done with his worship? He has quoted Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse. That's what he's done. In other words, the best kind of worship, good worship, is biblically informed worship. When your worship is informed by the Bible, it's the best kind of worship. I, I remember as a young Christian, I used to get really annoyed, really, really kind of annoyed when I heard people praying Bible verses back to God. Then I began to read in the Bible where people in the Bible were quoting the Bible back to God. And then, then I realized that when, when these people were quoting the Bible back to God, it wasn't for God's benefit. It was for their benefit. The best kind of worship is biblically informed worship of God? And here's Jeremiah. Remember where he is? He's in prison. Remember his financial position? (laughs) Things are not looking good here. He's in prison and he's now got no money. This is a difficult time. And what's he doing? He's worshipping God. He's worshiping God. He's just obeyed God, and he doesn't know why God wanted him to do it. I mean, if it's a prophetic sign, you could' have used someone else with loads of money to buy it God. Why me? I just put everything I've got on the line. I've got nothing left. Surely you could have made the same prophetic point using someone else. But what does he do? Our Lord God. You created the heavens and the earth. You stretched out the heavens by your great power. There is nothing too hard for you. And he's worshipping God. He's worshipping God. You know, I can tell when people are maturing and growing in their relationship with God, because when people aren't in that right place and things get tough, they stop coming to church. In other words, they stop coming... To worship. I know you could go out in the bush and worship on your own. But God's word actually commands that we meet together. Hebrews 10.25 Don't neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some. And we come together and we worship. And you know what happens when we come together? We have to make allowances. We may want to sit in this seat and someone's already sitting in it. We may want to sing this song and the song leaders picked another. You know, all of that says it's not about us. In fact, that's what worship is about, remember? The whole point of worship is, it's not about you. You might say, well, I don't go to church to worship because I just like to be by myself and I like to do this and I like to do it this way and I like to do this and the way I do it is like this and I do it like... Do you see a pattern in that sentiment? When worship is supposed to be about God, not I, not you. So when we meet together... You're taking your place in the picture that Christ is presenting to the world. So here's Jeremiah, the mature follower, the mature lover of God, the mature worshipper. Good worship comes from the heart of the worshipper when times are difficult. When times are difficult. I know some people they don't want to hear this. They want to hear this. When times get difficult, just bind it in Jesus' name and cast it out. Rebuke it. Command it to go, curse it, shrivel it, kick it out in Jesus' name. No more hard times, difficulties, trials, problems. All the best with that. I don't know, I don't know what book you're reading, but it isn't the Bible. Romans chapter 8 says, What can separate us from the love of God? Shall trials? Difficulties. All these things that will come our way, it says. So. Ah, this is good preaching, Andrew. Great preaching. All right, verse 24. This is Jeremiah now. He brings history right up to his present day. Behold, the siege mounds have come up to the city to take it. Because of sword and famine and pestilence, the city is given into the hands of the Chaldeans who are fighting against it. What you spoke has come to pass. Behold, you see it. Wow. he's He has identified that the entire plan of God has come up to right where he's at. Can you? Can you actually see that you're actually a part of the plan of God? God has got a plan for us as a church. God has got a plan for you as well. And you're a vital part of it, even though you might just feel like... a pixel a dot we need you god needs your dot in the right part of the picture and here's jeremiah worshiping and this is beautiful worship but now i want you to see something and it's a little bit sad and i remind you of the title of this message when great worship is wrong Because your worship must be offered to God freely. You know, we have worshipped God today. We are worshiping God right now. You giving attention to the word, having to go, I've got uh you know, I'm using my Bible off my iPhone, I wonder what Facebook's happening to no, I'm worshiping. Let's stay in the Word. When you're worshiping God, you're surrendering, you're giving your your heart, your mind your your body to God. And you do it freely. And I know that there are some Christians that think, oh yeah, I, I do it freely because I really need something from God. I I'm gonna worship God because I'm I'm really I've got a I've got a couple of really Big prayer requests that I really want God to answer. And I know that if I normally lift my hands this far on a Sunday, today I'm going to lift my hands this far and I'm going to really worship God. I may just get from Him what I want. I normally tithe and just put a little bit of an extra offering in there. Today I'm going to double tithe. I'm going to worship God with my giving. Did you see that, God? <laughs> That's not worship. Worship is freely from the heart of the worshiper. Good worship is offered freely by the heart of the worshiper. So we don't worship God to get something from Him. I mean, well, we shouldn't. You may do, you just shouldn't. You should worship God because He's great. He's awesome. He's beautiful, he's wonderful, he's majestic, and we love you, God. What do you want, my child? I just want to worship you. I just want to worship you. I just want to adore you. That's worship. And here's the sad bit. Here's the sad bit. The sad bit is verse 25. Because everything I've just told you about what good worship is, Jeremiah wasn't doing. How do I know that? Because everything he's just said has come to verse 25. Yet you, O Lord God, have said to me, buy the field for money and get witnesses. Though the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Where is Jeremiah going with this? Can you see where he's going with this? You are a great and awesome God. I love you. You're awesome. There's nothing that's too hard for you. Nothing is impossible for you. Oh, God, I know you always reward those who obey you and are faithful to you. Can you see where he's going with this? You told me to buy a field. Now, I know nothing's too hard for you. So why don't you just let me... just. I've got maybe another 20 years of my life left. Just for 20 years, just cause the Chaldeans to keep the siege going. And I'll just go out there and farm my field. Nothing's too hard for you. And you reward those who serve you. Can you see this? Now, what's interesting is that verse 25 is interrupted, and we're not going to go on with it. But <laughs> he begins to go where he wants to go with this worship. And God, will see next time, just cuts him off. Awesome. <laughs> Apparently God doesn't want to play worship games. But here's here's a valuable thing. Jeremiah is a godly man. Please, if you just think, "Oh, how terrible that Jeremiah did this." Hey, I do this all the time. I do this. If he's terrible, I'm really terrible. So if if you don't mind just listening in while I preach to myself now, this is what I'm going to say to myself. Will you accept the challenge to be a godly, which means you really reflect the heart of God, a godly worshipper of God? And I've given you what that looks like. Will you? Will you say, you know, I've... Never seen it like that before, or, you know, I've I've, I've kind of known that. I've known what that's what real worship is about. I've maybe backed off that kind of worship. I've just given sort of half. I've just come in and I've just kind of held back and just done what I've done and not really thought that I was worshiping. If I sound like I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. I want to be a worshipper. I want to be a worshipper. I think there's two really, really great things that can be put on your tombstone that are the highest compliment that can be paid to you. If you're a woman, I think it's the expression woman of God. If you're a man, man of God. Here lies your name, man of God, woman of God. He, she was a worshipper of God.
0: Worship, biblically informed, given freely and from the heart, not self-seeking. We all need to do a barometer reading on the authenticity of our worship. Next week, a probing question, is anything too hard for me? More in Jeremiah from Dr. Corbett. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program "When Great Worship Is Wrong," are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page: facebook.com/slash Finding Truth Matters.